Hi, my name is Jenny. And my name's Yuri. Welcome back to Conscious Cuppa. This is the weekly podcast in which we explore, dive into and ponder spiritual ideas and questions, including law of attraction. We're here sipping a wonderful brew and invite you to do the same while listening in as we share our personal insights, stories and discoveries about life, the universe and everything in between, all based on what's written on a wooden lollipop stick. We do have a claimer rather than a disclaimer, and that is we firmly believe imagining creates our physical reality. That's going to shape the show and hopefully encourage all you conscious creators out there. And for all of our listeners, there's an Easter egg question just for you right at the end of the podcast. We'd love to hear from you and enjoy your input. So please make contact on Twitter at Conscious Cuppa. That's C-O-N-S-C-I-O-U-S-C-U-P-P-A or via email, consciouscuppa at gmail.com. Keep it short and sweet if you've got a question, because it's got to fit on a wooden lollipop stick. So, grab a brew, take a, a pew, pew, sip in, in and sub up. And this week, we've got a wonderful guest to sip along with, Nikki James, a collaborator, fellow social entrepreneur. Welcome, Nikki. Lovely to see Welcome, you. Welcome, Nikki. You. Hello, thank you for inviting me to join you this morning. You and the cats, you and the cats. (laughs) Me and the cats, yeah, well, one of them's gone out of the room, the other one's scratching. (laughs) We've got a few questions for you, Nikki. Yep, okay. The the standard guest questions, which are three words to describe yourself. Hmm. Okay. Well, I think resilient. Is one that comes to mind this morning. Oh, that's good. That's a good I had to be resilient quite a lot this week, I can tell you. Animal loving, clearly the cats, but also I've got a new fox. You've got wow. a new fox. I say that because I've been informed by somebody well in the know that that's a totem for something. So oh. I'll have to work that one out. Yeah. And um, I reckon I'm a creative thinker. Probably more a creative thinker than a creative doer, perhaps. It takes me a while to be the creative side, but I'm thinking creatively. Yeah, mm. I like that. I definitely experience all of that about you. I <laughs> that you. definitely. So, what are you working on at the moment, or what have you been working on? So, during lockdown, I've been one of the people who's been mandated to shield, so I spent a lot of time in. Yeah. Um, but luckily, I was invited to be part of a project, an archive project with the Bethlehem Gallery and Museum of the Mind, and had the great uh, honour of being collaborating with Yuri for that as well on the photography side, which is fabulous. I learned so much from doing that. Yeah, me too. Um, Yeah, and it's a great exhibition. People can see that online. The links will be up later. Um, And I kind of, I've taken the time uh, to try and organise my flats. And one of the things that I realised, I've always said this thing about colour and colour therapies because, for me, colour has been a kind of medicine as well to do with various illnesses that I've had over the years uh-huh. and had to kind of uh, think of ways of living with those illnesses. I realised quite a few years ago that a certain type of blue is a very medicinal colour for me. Mm. And at certain parts of the year, I kind of crave it almost as if it were Ooh. food. And yeah. I would make decisions on uh, travel based on that colour blue. Which wow. is really interesting. I think. So I would go to places like Morocco or Barcelona that would have this very distinctive cobalt but very bright blue. Mm. Yeah. 
I was kind of organized my flat because, you know, when you're stuck indoors all the time anyway, the, the things you're around, you know, you're brought, they're brought to your attention very strongly, aren't they? Yeah. But I sort of realized that in the past where I was out a lot, I'd deliberately chosen a very calm, quiet, very, yeah, in some ways quite a bland palette for where I live because it, the idea was that I came back here and a kind of, you know, the sensory overload kind of was changed. Yeah. But I've realised I had to have colour around me because I was getting very, I was feeling edgy and mm. depressed. And that, yeah, there's that, lots of reasons for that. But anyway, so I've been injecting colour into my, where I live. Yeah. Really. So I've been doing a lot of kind of creative stuff. And one of the things that I did a couple of weeks ago is I went through my wardrobe and pulled out lots of vintagey kind of, or other kinds of fabrics and textiles. And I'm making cushion covers from them because they would be things that I would donate, I think, in other circumstances because maybe they're a bit smaller now because put on a bit of weight over like <laughs> But also maybe they were kind of coming to the end of being worn. Yeah. You know, but love the textiles, I'd hold on to them. So now I'm just creating, it's like a project. Beautiful. And I guess with colourers, they all have their own vibration as well, isn't it? So it's, it's, they support you in different ways. They can yes. be calming and they can be invigorating and so on. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. That really, yeah, I agree with that. Where can we find out about what you've been doing online, Nikki? Before lockdown, I was volunteering at the Bethlehem Gallery, which is yeah. how I came to be involved in the Bethlehem Museum of the Mind. So you can look that up online. There's a number of different exhibitions on, but our, the one I've been involved in, Yuri's been involved with me on, is called Change Minds, and it's a digital exhibition, so you can see that. Fantastic. Um, I'm also involved in a kind of a network of artists in South London called the Arts Network, and most of us have experienced illness, mental health problems, vulnerability. Um, some people are involved because they support the group as well. So that's really worth looking at. Their website's quite limited because they mainly use Instagram, and obviously there's lots of different artists involved, but um, there's lots of things that are kind of coming up online that people are posting at the moment. So I guess... Some of my work is in there. Fantastic. We'll put some information in the show notes for yeah. our listeners. I was just wondering if you wanted to say something about your work as a social entrepreneur. Um, yeah, I guess so. I, I mean, when I that's where I first met Yuri. We were sort of working alongside each other or studying alongside each other, maybe. Yeah. I set up a befriending project for it was supposed to be quite a local thing initially the idea was to have quite a notion local community let's say um but for an organization called polycystic kidney disease um, charity um and it's become a national befriending project it pretty much kicked off <laughs> fairly quickly and now I, I can't remember the amount of members but there's well over a thousand people involved That's across amazing. the nation and we've done some amazing things, actually, just from our own personal experiences, which is great, including managing mm. to get a drug license, which has been refused in England, but we managed to get a license first in Scotland, and then England and Wales followed. And we've been very involved in campaigns around um, kidney donation and other things, and we've just recently managed to get a really great partnership going for um, some social research as well so that's brilliant we're starting actually we're starting up a campaign around shape again which was one of my initial interests because it really affects your 
your shape because your kidneys kind of grow in size and so you can end up looking quite pregnant if you're not and that's same for men and women um which has a kind of you know a very significant impact on your self-esteem but also can affect your work life quite dramatically and your sort of relationship to people we're looking at that again and how we can do something visually around that that's kind of fun but makes a point and we're sort of looking at how we can do that mm. thank yeah. you fantastic we're we're drinking some ginger and turmeric mm. Nikki, what have you got in your cup um, I've got sweet rooibos tea, which comes from Austria, and um, I recently bought it online. It's fantastic. It's a really big bag, but also it's a really big bag, mm. big triangle bag, but it smells amazing, and it's really nice. It's very refreshing. And you have that with a bit of milk in there? Um, I do, although I can, it actually gets strong very quickly, so it's probably a bit stronger than my other teas. I would have had them without milk. But this one yeah. needs milk or something, like maybe a bit honey or something. Because I'm diabetic, yeah. I'm sticking to the milk. I first had Rubos Redbush in mm. uh, South Africa, and and it was an instant classic for me. Yeah. And today's tea that we've got is inspired by my employer, Romaine. Yeah. She Fabulous. grated some fresh turmeric and fresh ginger root, and a little bit of honey, and I tasted it, and was, this has become an instant classic now. Great. It's absolutely gorgeous. And I found the perfect grater to use that, which you'll see in the, the picture for this week's podcast. Delicious. Yeah. What do you think, Yuri? Yeah, I'm 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 real fan of um, turmeric. It's a very healing herb. I've had ginger for a long time. It's great for the stomach. So Wonderful. yeah, the the combination is is really nice. And actually, I make a turmeric latte, and now I'm wondering maybe I can make a turmeric and ginger latte. So Ooh, I'm going to try that out. That sounds yeah, good. Yeah. So that will be one week. We'll we'll have a go. See if it kills us or makes us stronger. <laughs> so here's what we do. We've got a bunch of lollipop sticks with questions and quotes on. We are going to roll the dice to decide which of the three of us goes first. Then we have up to five minutes on the clock, Yuri. Get that ready to ponder and consider all these. All this week's lollipop sticks will be on our Twitter page, so you can ponder along too. Let's roll the dice. Let's roll for Nikki. So you've got six? Of course. That's my number. You've got a two. And I've got a four. So, Nikki, you're going first. Then myself, Jenny, and Yuri, you're going to pick. And you just tell us when to stop, Nikki. Stop. Which life obstacles would you have preferred? Oh, wow. Uh... Which life obstacles would you have preferred? We're going to put five minutes Tell us when you're ready, Nikki. Ready. Do five minutes on the clock, starting now. I guess, even though it's been really difficult, I think having kidney disease has made me who I am. So I couldn't really say. It's so much a feature of my family as well. There's kind of something that I identify with it strongly. So I can't imagine living a life without it. So I guess yeah. prefer it. Sometimes I wish, yeah, very much wish I didn't have had that. But I think it's been a real benefit. I guess I could say cheeky and I'd like to have had too much money. <laughs> yeah, definitely. 
But actually, you know, it's quite painful. I used to be addicted to shopping. Um, and I've had to fight really hard to overcome that. Uh-huh. That was mainly a problem when I had money suddenly arrived in my life and I wasn't used to having it. Uh-huh. I think I've started, now I value money very much so. But before, you know, I saw it as a kind of, well, I had a really um, difficult, contradictory relationship with it. Mm. so it's nice to think I would have liked that preferred that but I think in reality it brings out the worst in people rather than the best the the circumstances of the kidney disease might be the thing that I agree it shaped you who you are but within your coping with that would there have been the way that obstacles came along you might have preferred well if if the medical uh, services had done something differently for example or you found out earlier is there something within what you've experienced already definitely yeah I mean I when I think of uh, what's happened in the last few years in particular in terms of research and our ability to license this particular drug although it's not it has other problems Um, but it definitely is having a longer term more positive output in terms of kidney failure for people now, uh-huh. which I think, I often do think, yeah. If I had been in kidney failure maybe 10 years later, I went very early, even for my family, I was in much earlier than, than everybody else. So yes, I can say that I would prefer that to have been different. Um, I would have preferred to be in an environment where people understood. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I would have preferred to have been around creative, you know, like a really vibrant creative community in where I could have started understanding and using art at a much earlier age mm. around that. Using art, did you say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think if I'd been introduced to that expression at a much oh, earlier yeah. age, some of the things that I've had to overcome later and some of the things that I've missed out on. I've, I think you know not being a parent those kind of things I could have found a voice much earlier on and I might have been able to assert choices differently how did you come to art Nikki how did, how did that unfold for you I'm trying to remember the exact moment but I I suppose it was just I suppose I've always used creativity in one way or another because uh-huh. it's quite instinctive to me but I always believed that I couldn't art wasn't really for me um I joined the project just after I had been diagnosed with ovarian cancer in 2012-ish. So, uh, and I started, they started introducing creativity and art in there. Yeah. And there was this art therapeutic approach then as well. But I think it developed probably four, year, four or five years ago, really. I, I became very strongly involved with it about four or five years ago. Probably post meeting Yuri. Not um, that doesn't mean it's connected with meeting Yuri in that sense. But what I mean is, I don't think even when we first met, I was as involved in it. But I did know that it had a key to it in there. It was part of my vision for for some, you know, creative ways of no, not creative ways of affecting change, post personally and in sense of awareness. Yeah. I've always known you as a creative person. I haven't known you as anything right. other. So it's really interesting to hear that that stopped, you know, that started sort of just, just after we met. Yeah, yeah. I just want, I wanted to say one other thing, actually, because I don't, that's a really interesting question to ask me because I, I realised looking back, 
I was involved in HIV awareness, and that was such a creative um, time in terms of campaigning. It's very visual, it's very art-based, actually. So I guess I must have been earlier, but I just didn't recognise it. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah, yeah. You're more immersed in it now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. more driven by it, yeah. and I look to it in Lovely. a different way. Yeah. Have you done some Thank beautiful, you. really beautiful, powerful pieces of work? You know, just before lockdown, you were going to do an exhibition that couldn't go ahead. Um, panels, oh. weren't you? So hopefully we'll we'll get to see that as well because I'm, yeah, you know, I haven't seen that in person. I've seen it digitally, and and I think that's going to be really powerful. Mm. That exhibition is at the Horniman's Museum and is going to be. I understand is now programmed for March. Oh, fantastic. fantastic. I'm going to pick a lollipop stick now. And my one says to battle or to negotiate. Oh. To battle or to negotiate. Do you need time to think? Be honest. <laughs> Let's just go into it. Okay. And five minutes starting now. Well, I think it's it's more of a both for me. That is to say, I've, I often started my life feeling the battle and realising later, as I'm losing the battle, <laughs> <laughs> I better negotiate. <laughs> I think as you get older and wiser... The battle changes. Yeah, I think as you get older and wiser, you realise that the, the battle is, is not, it's kind of never ending. So it's not that you don't fight, but you fight from a different place. You fight with a different understanding and a different awareness. Even if it's the awareness that that didn't work, that didn't work, that didn't work. Let's try something else. And you needing to use the smarts. But I think the negotiation is inevitable in the sense of possibly finding out where I am going wrong in the sense of how am I contributing to the fact that there is a war to begin with and and therefore negotiating my own um, self-awareness how what I can what parts of my weaponry can I put down that are unnecessary how did I cause the trouble that is <laughs> that I am now f trying to defend for example, on a very kind of everyday thing, just driving to work. I'm not always the most brilliant driver. And um, <laughs> you've been in the car when I've been shouting at people and kind of letting my letting my steam off. And, and I don't think that's, there's anything wrong with that because it's quite a safe place to express... Angst and irritation. Well, irritation, definitely. It's, it's a good place to release that and people can't necessarily hear you they probably can hear me because I shout so loudly <laughs> but um, I I don't always drive best at my best I don't always drive well but I can easily blame the other person for you didn't let me in now I have to wait and that becomes the battle now I want to kind of chase them down the road and like <laughs> wag my finger at them but really did, were they obliged to do this? Were they obliged to let me in? So it's kind of like I can do sometimes contribute to the battle when I, I, I'm, I am making it worse. In terms of 
battling generally. I know culturally we're we're encouraged to fight. There is a bat- battle mentality because of um, old territorial ideas about the world and how the world works. So even if you look at most men who have their hair cut short, that was part of a military style. It wasn't just that it's easier to cope. Maintain, yeah. It's a militarised idea of how the world works. And I've definitely gone into life like leaving the front door and going into a battle. I've actually got something written here. I can see it in front of me. It says, be kind. Everyone you meet is fighting a hard battle. That's where the negotiation comes in. So we've all got a little war that we've carried on from our parents, from our <laughs> from our families. And we're all, you know, some of us are cooking the meals at the back. Some of us are on the front line. Some of us are in the back working out how we can deal with strategizing. The, strategizing. Yeah. That's me. And I'm, I've got that family battle happening. But I realize that unless I learn to negotiate with life, not with my supposed enemy, but with life, this battle is just going to be carried on and carried on and carried on. And I don't like the fighting, actually. I don't think any of us really like the fighting, even if we're good at it. But the negotiation. You brought a film called The Negotiator this weekend, I didn't you? I didn't buy it. I put it back. Did you? Yeah. Oh, I saw it in your hand. Well, in The Negotiator, it's a very good film, but it's about um, somebody who's been done wrong and they've been set up and they're trying to work out how they're going to... They're trying to work out how they're going to get out of the situation they feel bound and tight in. Yeah. And I definitely have felt that with my life. Like, mm. almost like I've been set up into this no-win situation. And how can I find a way through this? Find a friend, in fact, in the film. It's about finding somebody that is willing to believe that there is a way out with you and mm. that it can be a win-win so and i think to close it that i'm trying to find a friend in life that i'm trying to find that life is a friend rather than this enemy that i have been battling against yeah, it's for you for the last 50 years or so mm. yeah Oof. wow great <laughs> oh wow i think that's amazing yeah. It's a lot, isn't it? So mine is, can you imagine you are directing a two hundred million pound film? Wow. Yes. Yes, because I'd spoke to Jenny about this this morning. This morning, yeah. Let's put five minutes on the clock. Off you go. So I've got my eyes closed, um, and I'm on set and I'm it's a very small set, actually, um, because I think I want to treat everyone to really good food on, on my set. So <laughs> some of the budget is definitely going on food and um, and nourishment and self-care. Mm. But it's amazing because I've got these small pool of actors that um, are very dynamic. We have a good range of actors from young to old. So we have a couple of 
very young actors and a couple of well-established and a couple of medium actors that are on their path. And so it's a really nice broad spectrum of people to work with. And this is all about the story of your life, really. It's about this person that goes from a pained, unnourished, victim kind of mentality life to one where they're co-creating their life, that they take, they can see how their life is evolving out of them, that they are the creator of their life, how they can direct it. So in a way, we're in a film where somebody is learning to be the filmmaker and the scriptwriter of their own life. It sounds a bit semi-autobiographical. I think it's it, it, it definitely is autobiographical. And I think the writer was able to research from people that have been through this journey and interview people that are on this journey to be able to form it into this journey of with this one person that's doing this and how they attract people into their life. Mm-hmm. So these the the children and the, the, the other actors, you know, are are kind of secondary to the main actor, but very, very vital. And it's all set in in nature. So it's it's almost a day in the life of. So this person sets Ooh, yeah. out of their home, but because I love simplicity, I love essentialism I love versatility. So it's just using these spaces that are are in the studio and around the studio to create this film. We don't need to fly out to exotic locations because those exotic locations actually exist in our surroundings already. We just have to be open to finding them. And the children are really helping us all with that. So let's find the moment in this production. So the moment is where everybody jumps up and says, that's a take. It's it's done. It's, it's a finished. Wrap. It's, it's a, a wrap. wrap. It's done. The clapperboard, everybody's got their own clapperboard. We're all <laughs> clapping with our clapperboards and we're all jumping up and we're just saying, wow, this has been amazing. Yeah. So it's a real celebration of the completion of this film and it's been so life-changing for us all, so we know. So I think it's it's that that moment of exhilaration where you're in the studio, we've we've finished it, that it's nailed it. Perfect last scene has been completed, and we're just all so filled and absolutely knackered, <laughs> absolutely knackered. In as the nicest possible way. In the way. best way. We're going to have the best night's sleep. <laughs> We're all taking at least a month off. We're going to sleep and holiday and, yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, there's the thrill of the first night, of course, in that rap, that first night that you show the film and, oh, yeah. it's so exciting. What's the working title? The working title is um, A Human's Road to Evolution. Wow. Nothing small there. Are you going to watch this, Nikki? Yeah. (laughs) No. Yeah, it sounds like a really groundbreaking film as well. Yeah, there's not many films like that. Does it it bring to mind anything that you might have seen before? Funny enough, it kind of brings to... to, mind a horror film that I watched Ooh, wow. which was it wasn't made as a horror film but it was a, a film within a film yeah 
um, it had this kind of studio feel inside a film, which I hated. And I, I squirmed all the way through this. It was so irritating. But I think it's it's a, it takes an element of that and, and rises it to its nth degree. And I like that. Mm. I like recreating something in it that, that was horrific into something beautiful. So, yeah. yeah, I think it has an element of that. It has an element of lots of stories I've 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 read. One that my mum wrote about a tramp. One that Jenny wrote about a tramp. So it's got that kind of rags to riches feel. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. Mm-hmm. Nikki, it's your turn again. Okay, cool. Second lollipop stick. Tell me when to stop. Now. Got a feather as well. Oh, nice. I need that. Very nice. Okay, your question is, can you imagine you're doing a wheelie on a bike? What? Doing a wee on a bike? Doing a, a wheelie, wheelie on... not a wee. <laughs> <laughs> can you imagine doing a wheelie on a bike? A wheelie on a bike. So the idea of the can you imagines, it's, a, it's more of a practice rather than something you actually want to do. Yeah, yeah, I understand. It's all right, I get it. I don't know, when you were a kid, do, could you do a wheelie on a bike? Yeah, yeah, I'm quite good at it proper. So, oh, classic so, bike, man. You were so cool. You were one of the cool kids. Well, yeah, I fell off a lot. Put yourself into a moment and try and recapture that moment to feel as if you're actually there right now. So for you, this is going to be a memory. If you could describe where you are, what you saw, what you heard, and how it actually felt physically at the time to do a wheelie on the bike as well as emotionally. You've got up to five minutes. I'm pressing the clock now. Wow, yeah, I can really... Well, I have an experience of doing a wheelie on a bike, which is not so pleasant. um, Yeah, I can really really imagine the, the feeling of being able to ride a bike, first of all. And it's a feeling yeah. at the moment rather than a reality because of my disabilities. It's actually really difficult to ride a bike, but I'm constantly hoping to find a bike that the design is such that I will be able to take that up again. And that's like been yeah. a long time. So the idea that I could just literally today, you know, I would be walking out of my flat and taking up my bike and just going down the road freely lifting up the front wheel and twisting round (laughs) (laughs) and take there's such a sense of freedom and fresh air that kind of like a volume of air coming into the lung oh yeah and a sense of control over this thing that is really it's quite difficult to imagine because i've i haven't been able to do it such a long time but the eye to really sense the control that i'm the person riding the bike not the bike is you know moving and i'm on it um yeah is amazing i i can recount an experience i had which is very bizarre in thailand when i was traveling many years ago and hired a moped which was around the time i started to lose the control the sense the bike rode and i was on it um i I and the woman that i was traveling with at the time hired a moped to, to basically travel around um, the San, Sangai city, which is just outside 
Bangkok and is the site of the original palace. And there's these amazing large Buddhas. Anyway, so we were driving around very peaceful, like very, very peaceful sense of kind of in the distance, meditating Buddhists, some eating mm. rice, some meditating rice. And she was riding. Then she said, why don't we swap over in your truck? And uh, I got on the bike and I don't, I, my hands clamped down and I forgot that the Corsi motor, the accelerators on the hand, was on the handlebar. Yes. So I took off and I went into a wheelie and I couldn't stop. <laughs> the more I panicked, the more I clenched. <laughs> and all I could hear was Helen going, Mickey, you're going to die, get off the bike. Because <laughs> I was hurtling towards this beautiful lake that was like serene and probably full of snakes and all sorts of things. With this beautiful kind of uh, <laughs> building with Buddhists meditating and eating rice on the other side of the lake. And I was hurtling along. And, um, you know, there was this moment where I realized imagination kicked in in a big way. And I was like, I am not going in the water. There's no way me and this bike are going in that lake. <laughs> So somehow I managed to pull it right up to the point where it was virtually, what would you say, vertical? And yeah. uh, fell off the back and the bike kind of did a full turn, something like the great escape kind of movement. And uh, <laughs> fell over the other side and I was like just in mud. Hadn't pulled my mouth, you're right, I was just flat in mud. It was like some cartoon moment. Um, yeah. Oh, and uh, when I managed to get up, there was all these kind of, Buddhists in swags and so on, just kind of looking at me as go, well, that's something you don't see every day. <laughs> it was really strange. They're probably thinking, thank God we were meditating. That probably saved us. Well, some of them were just eating because they'd be having their lunch, you know. Whatever, yeah. <laughs> they just came meal, with their bowl yeah. of rice and carried yeah, it. it's just like, they were just staring as if like, what would we have done if she'd gone in the water, you know? Oh, anyway, so sorry, that's a little bit, but I mean, it's interesting how imagination kicked in because I felt completely out of control of that bike. Yeah. It felt like the bike yeah. was on a journey and I'd become attached to it. So the idea yeah. of, you know, the, the moment where I, I knew I had to make, I could make a decision and I had control is what I need to recapture when I'm right, when I get back on a bike, which will happen. Yes. At some point yes. the design of bike will emerge, which will enable me to ride again. Because And can you imagine getting on that bike? Yeah, absolutely. And cycling yeah. in a beautiful environment. I mean, I have this yes. dream of being able to cycle along a coastal road. Yes. And yeah, the idea of taking off in a wheelie. Oh my gosh, that would just be amazing. Yes. On a three-wheeled oh, bike? That's going to yeah, take yeah. some work. Because <laughs> it would have, probably have to be a three-wheeled bike. Cause the oh, that's, they're, they're so cool though. Yeah, absolutely. But when I've ever I've looked for one, I haven't really found one suitable. But I know that, yeah. I know because I, I have it so close to my heart that I want to do it. Oh, yeah. Oh, fantastic. I'm glad we asked you that question. Yeah. Fantastic. Next question. Next lollipop stick. Can you imagine walking along a tightrope three feet up? I'm glad it said three feet and not three metres. Okay. Five minutes on the clock. So this is not something I've really wanted to do. Sometimes you see people in the park, don't you? And they've got the, the tightrope between two trees. Mm. And I only stop to watch them to see if they fall down. That's just evil, I know. So this is going to come back and bite me. So 
I always think I could do that. If it was any higher, not at all. So it's interesting because you're not scared of heights. I'm not scared of heights. Yeah. I'm scared of ending up on YouTube in one of those <laughs> viral videos where you know I've I've fallen down and not only sat on the tightrope but then gone round the tightrope <laughs> and got twisted in it and then a dog comes over and then a pigeon shits on my head and then you know something else happens catastrophe yeah just because i didn't quite take the next step pro- properly there's probably a metaphor oh, in there for, for metaphor. life in there scared to take that step um but let's see can i imagine it yes i can so in order to enter that scene i need to be in a park so i'm in a park I could be in a gym, but I think a park is a more beautiful setting. If you're going to die, like, on a motorbike, doing a wheelie, you you want a beautiful setting. So if I'm going to do this YouTube video, I want a beautiful (laughs) setting. So it's in a park. I'm thinking Ravenscourt Park in West London. Yeah. I've come along across some people, and they've invited me to do this. And I've said, okay, I'll do it. I haven't been drinking. That's not why I'm saying yes. I'm just... (laughs) gonna go for it they help me up and somebody is holding my left hand just telling me to be confident so it's like i have to bring that confident self out like you know you bring your child self out to play you bring your confident self out to do other things so that i need my confident self somebody is holding my left hand they're holding it not too tight and not too gentle so i feel quite safe with that and I've got bare feet and I'm taking my first step and it feels fine except now the the next step the tightrope kind of goes down in the middle but I'm I've got the confidence self so I'm going to take one more step and I take the next step and my toe is between the rope has gone between my big toe and the next toe and I don't know why that feels safe but it does but I also feel like that could be a trap and i'm gonna stop there because that's as i think as far as i'm willing to go with that scenario but i do feel good that i actually got on the rope to begin with yeah Mm. yeah so i can do that so if that ever happens in the future and you you're with me i'm getting get the camera out i tell you get the camera hilarious it might not be you might be wasting the time, but yeah, That's I'm happy. Right. I'm happy with that. We'll post so. it on Conscious Cuppa. Yes, there's, yes. There's an amazing happy. program of people that, um, like a wildlife documentary kind of program, I guess, of people that trans that they go on a tightrope across the Grand Canyon, and it's just these individuals and how that they're planning for it, and then how they achieve it, and the journey. And their partner's standing at one end watching them going. Yes. Are these people that know how to do tightrope walking or they start? Yeah, I mean, they, yeah, they, they're trained, but they, this is like a, something they've never done, you know. Yeah. And they explain all the reasons why it's very possible they won't get to the other side. But they talk a lot about the mind frame that they won't be able to put one foot on unless they know here that they will reach the other side. That they're already on the other side. Yes, yes. So that is one of the principles that that lets you succeed in anything. I don't know why I didn't include it in in that scenario, because I just, there's no 
great urge to go on the tightrope. But the principle of getting, if it's something that you you do do normally, and then you want to, in a sense, stretch your talent, and, and the Grand Canyon seems a, a, a wonderful uh, metaphor for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would need to be on the other end. I'd need to be on the other side mm-hmm. to know that I can do that. And in fact, on the um, the little cartoony book that I wrote, Oh My God, OMG, there is a scenario where somebody has to cross a canyon. And I've I've written that. You need to imagine yourself on the other side first before you even set out. Is that's that on the, your Padlet page? That's on the Padlet page. Yes, yeah. yeah, so I'll put a link for that. That um, Yeah, the arriving before you depart. Yeah, wow. Thanks, Nikki, for reminding reminding me about that. Yeah. Yuri, your last lollipop stick. Okay. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Again. Obviously needs some practice. <laughs> You're on your own private island. Wow. Oh, wow. Easily. And this is no shipwreck. This is this is something else. Shall we get five minutes on the clock? Yep. Okay. So, again, I've... I'm placing myself on the island. The island is warm, if not hot, sandy, <laughs> sea around, obviously. So I, well, no, I guess I could have been an island on a lake. Ooh. How big is your island? My island has a capacity easily for 20 people. So it's a small island. Yeah. It has lots of wildlife. It has forest and it has... A river and it has beach and it has pebbles because I love pebbles and shells. Mm-hmm. I love them. They're like my candy. So I have a, um, a tiny home and because for the most part I live outside, I have an outside kitchen. So I'm standing on a veranda of my tiny home, which is in a hexagon shape. It has an internal cool space. And then the external rooms are on the outside. Um, and the internal space has a vent at the top of the house. I'm standing on the kind of, I guess it would be equivalent to an extension of an outside kitchen. And the fire is going and there's a pot there and it's heating some vegetable stew, I guess. There's the smell of this delicious fresh food that I'm excited to share and it's just the sound of nature it's the real feel of calm it's a feel of being settled I feel really settled I feel a real sense of tranquility a real sense of unity not just with the people on the island but within myself with my home with the pot of food I'm cooking. So if I was to create a 10-second moment, it'd have the sound of birds and leaves, the smell of vegetables and and spices, Mm. cooking and the sound of this bubbling pot and the warmth on my back of the sun and the real feeling of peace and green and kind of this white calm within me and probably some sound of people in the background. Can I be one of those people? Okay. 
You can come. Do you want to come, Nikki? Yeah, I was already there. Great. I was lying on the deck chair at the back going. <laughs> yeah, ready for lunch, huh? Feet up. Yeah, yeah definitely. definitely. Love it. Fantastic. Oh, that sounds wonderful. Yeah, and it yeah. Feels, feels a bit like a retreat, actually. And also what, Nikki, you were saying earlier with the blue colour, how you had the green colour. Mm. That was the, the frequency. Yeah, and the white, though. And it the white really as well, really important. Yeah. I don't know. That's the first time I've really felt that mm. kind of this this green, vibrant green, but this with this tone of white. Yeah. It's really, like that's really important in that mm. space. Yeah, so interesting. Yeah. So interesting. And it, I, I can feel how lots of experiences I've had through my life have presented themselves. The, the delight, these moments of delight I felt have all accumulated in that 10-second imagining. Yeah. Yeah, really wonderful. God, God, very exciting. <laughs> Do you think some of that is a memory um, of yeah. somewhere as well, that white and green together? Yeah, I, ha I don't know where the white is. It's really interesting. Maybe that will come to me. Maybe that's a future memory rather than a past memory because mm. I don't remember having seen that really. Um, well, some of the future memories, like things that you want to happen that you can remember now, I know that's a strange concept. A lot of what we want is made out of things that we've seen before. Yeah, so, so, so definitely. Yeah. 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 So the, these are accumulation of the delights I've had previously, but yeah. somehow I feel like I'm drawing delights from the future into it. Yeah, which is why you can't explain the white. Yeah. But it seems a really important element. Yeah. Oh, yeah. gosh. I'm, I'm, kind of, I'm really taken with it. I'm wow. really taken with it. Wow. I'm a bit choked up taken mm. with it, actually. Whew. Sounds really beautiful, though. Yeah. Yes. Mm. It's time for Magic Minute. M -m -m Magic Minute. This is the time we have to t go 13 floors in an elevator to answer a question from the public. We have questions 1 to 10. Nikki, would you like to pick a number? 6. Nikki, pick a number 6. And the question is from Patrick. And Patrick's question is, how important is silence to our well-being? And we're going to get a minute on the clock. You ready? You're going in the lift with Patrick and the doors are closing now. I would say it's very important to our well-being, although people need different uh, degrees of silence. I mean, there's background noise that we get accustomed to. When that's removed, I feel an incredible sense of peace. You know, I'll notice if it's gone, like sirens or whatever, you know. Yeah. Um, and I definitely can say for myself, I need silence every single day, some aspect of it, some days more than others. And I have to create space for that, really. Um, but I think too much silence can be very, very disturbing as well. And, and, and that's, you know, shown, isn't it, in the problems of isolation and so on. Um, so it's a balance, I guess, but I do think it, helps with sensory overload and so on yeah and maybe we've never had silence actually we might be somebody who's never ever experienced silence but you can get as close to that as we as you can yeah i like that 
yeah the the getting the right balance of silence like you said nikki where it's not too much and not too little and finding the right amount that um kind of resets there's a reset isn't there there's a privilege to silence because some people have tinnitus or whatever they never have what we would regard yeah. as silence they'll always yeah. be competing with some kind of sensory audio sensory issue we can only experience it from ourselves in a way really but yeah someone explained autism like that to me recently they said if if you um can understand that autism is equivalent to having tinnitus all the time and having this this but it builds in crescendos and then falls back and but you're never in silence how disturbing that is and i thought wow that's a real really powerful understanding of that yeah um yeah. i have a little autistic young man living next door to me i often try and create silence within myself for him because i know how important that must be for him to get that relief mm, that's very compassionate yeah i think patrick's happy with that Patrick's gone. We're 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 going up to the fiftieth floor, I think, with the <laughs> silence there, without being silent. <laughs> Great. No, that was that was that was a really good. I really enjoyed that answer. I'm going to pick number seven, and that is Todd. Todd asks, "How do you truthfully explain something blatantly preposterous that actually happened?" <laughs> How do you truthfully explain something blatantly preposterous that actually happened? That word's fabulous, isn't it? Preposterous. That is like such a yummy word. Okay, and the lift doors are closing now. Todd, it makes me think of all those films where the protagonist just tells the truth to somebody and... The person's like, yeah, there's no way that that happened. I don't think there's any way you can explain something and expect anybody to believe it, um, even if you tell it truthfully. Maybe what you have to do is tell some of the truth. Not to say you lie, but you don't have to tell the whole thing, just enough that you know they can handle. I Help me out here. You're in the lift with me. <laughs> I, I I think I think you use humour. Use humour. I like that. I think you use humour. You know, there's many a preposterous thing that's happened to me that I've had to use humour with, and many a preposterous thing I've proposed. Yes, because they do say that humour kind of opens people mm. up and lets lets yeah makes them more receptive. Maybe that you're right with that. Okay, Todd, bye. <laughs> <laughs> laugh, Todd, laugh. Fabulous. Tell it in a joke. I like that. Okay. Okay, I'm just going to go straight in for Richard. He jumped out at me. Okay, Richard, what good is reality if one does nothing with it? And the lift doors are closing now. Richard, uh, what good is reality if one does nothing with it? You live in it. So as well as you're living and breathing, you are doing something with it. Now, if you're talking about consciously doing something with it, uh-huh. then maybe it's not your lifetime not to do anything conscious with it and you'll just go with the flow and be taken wherever you need to be taken uh-huh. and learn whatever you're going to learn from it. Every day is an opportunity, is a learning. No two days are ever the same. You can't help but grow. You're being grown. You're being grown. Sorry, Richard, you're being grown. 
whether you choose to consciously do it or not. It's like imagination. Whether you consciously use it or not, it's happening, mate. So, yeah, that's me. I'm done. See you, Richard. I'm getting off now. Ten seconds. Nikki, do you want to add anything? I was just thinking a thing about magic. Magical reality is that lovely combination, isn't it, between something that seems very unusual and unlikely to happen and yeah. then the reality of sort of the kind of everyday life sort of yeah. put together. That's why I love reading it, actually. Yes. So, yes. yeah, yeah. It's wonderful for imagination. Nice. Bonus prize, Rich. Yeah. Did, he didn't see uh, Nikki in the corner there in the, in the lift. Yeah, sorry. I was hanging on the outside like Spider-Woman. <laughs> <laughs> Knocking on a window. Just waiting to get in there. <laughs> Lovely, fantastic. And that's it. Thank you so much for listening in. And thank you to our guests. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you. Taking time to expand our consciousness. You can get involved with Conscious Cuppa on Twitter at Conscious Cuppa, C-O-N-S-C-I-O-U-S-C-U-P-P-A and via email, ConsciousCuppa at gmail.com. And you can even leave a voice message on the anchor.fm website. Send in your questions and answers, any quotes you'd like us to comment on and your beautiful mugshots. This week's episode was sponsored by... The purr of a motorbike. The purr of a motorbike. Oh, <sniffs> yeah. My name is Jenny. My name is Yuri. And... My name is Nikki, and thank you again. This has been a tasty brew. A swell cuppa. And a slurping good time. Woohoo! See you next time. Bye. Hey Brew Crew, thanks for waiting right to the end for our mini Easter egg lollipop stick, just for you to muse and schmooze over. Would you be kind enough to pick our lollipop stick? Just tell us when to stop. Stop. It's a long one. Mm. Okay, Brew Crew. A person is a person through other people. This is for you to schmooze and muse over. A person is a person through other people. Mm. Thank you. Have fun, Papa Papa Flick. Thanks a lot, lovely. Really good to talk <laughs> to you. you. Yeah.